Well, good morning as we gather on this beautifully snowy Tuesday morning here in Coeur d'Alene on the 32nd week of Ordinary Time. We are inspired today uh, by the life of St. Leo, whose memorial we acknowledge. He ascended to the papal throne in the year 440, and what a fascinating individual he was. At the time, the peninsula, the Italian peninsula as we know it today, was under duress. It was being invaded by barbarians. In fact, a, a tribal group known as the Vandals were making their way from the boot up heading north to Rome. And they were uh, in proximi- proximity to Rome when St. Leo was actually writing his great tome, his great tome. He had a fascinating life because at that time, he, uh, having ascended to the papal throne, he was truly a warrior pope. He was in the day, out on the line of battle and on the ramparts, and in the evening, working on his manuscript. What a, what a character, what an individual that he would do that. He was fighting against not only the, the, the visible onslaught of a barbarian horde moving north that was ravaging much of the countryside and villages, he was also fighting against great conspiracy and difficulty in the church, particularly Pelagianism and Manichaeism, two uh, schisms, two ideas that were, had developed in the church that were, in the end, proven to be wrong thinking about Christ and the personhood of Christ. And in fact, it is St. Leo the Great who wrote in his Tome, he really advanced the understanding of Christology. He was present at the Council of Chalcedon in 451, and one of the principal architects of what is known as the formula of Chalcedon, which is this Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, is one person with two natures, a human nature and a divine nature. And the hypostatic union is the union of those two natures together. Oftentimes, I've mentioned this in previous homilies, when you see Christ depicted, he'll show in usually his right hand has the two fingers, the first and second digit, side by side, and the rest of the digits folded down. That's the symbol for the hypostatic union. One person, two natures, fully human and fully divine. And these two natures, fully united, are inseparable and neither compromised. So Christ knew the fullness of humanity, and Christ is the fullness of divinity. That's, that's our belief in Christ. It's how our Lord and Savior could enter into an understanding perfectly so of the human condition because he was perfectly human. He was a fully human individual as we are. In our beautiful lectionary selections today, we have both this letter of Paul to Titus as well as this reading from Luke. And in the letter to Titus, let's remember who Titus is. He's the leader of the young Christian community on the island of Crete. In Paul's missionary journeys, he actually never stopped there, but he had met Titus, and Titus uh, was with Paul, uh, Barnabas, and others, Peter, Andrew, and others, up in Antioch. We can imagine Paul comes to know Titus up in Antioch, but Titus is the leader of the young Christian community on that island. And Paul writes him this letter after having met and spent some time with Titus. Paul dispatches this this, uh, letter to him, And in particular today, he's talking about the dignity of Christianity, what it means, the dignity of our baptism. And we could surmise from that beautiful letter, because Paul is giving very uh, dignified but direct counsel to Titus about how people should be in the faith. What are the character traits of those who serve in the church? In particular, it's known as the one of the pastoral letters. Paul is not writing to the community at large. He's writing to a leader of the community. So 
those in consecrated life, Deacon, Andy, and myself, we look at these letters, both the two letters to Timothy and the letter to Titus, as good instructions on how we are to be. And what does he say? He says, as for yourself, Titus, you must say what is consistent with sound doctrine, namely, that older men should be temperate, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, love, and endurance. And he goes on to describe the same for older women. They should be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers, not addicted to drink, teaching what is good, so that they may train the younger women. That's really important, how we, having ascended in age or perhaps in career to a certain point of position, that we have a responsibility to live so in a dignified way and to teach those who follow behind us. Urge the younger man, Paul goes on, similarly to control themselves, showing yourself as a model of good deeds in every respect, with integrity in your teaching, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be criticized. He even goes further, because in the first century, slavery was a very common uh, existence. He's not endorsing slavery, he's acknowledging slavery. Paul says, Slaves are to be under the control of their masters in all respects, giving them satisfaction, not talking back to them or stealing from them, but exhibiting complete good faith so as to adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every way. His point is this, and this is to all of us, is that the church is at its very best when the people of God are living in a different way from the surrounding culture. The church is at its best. We, the Catholic Church, are at its best when we live in a dignified way, a different way from the surrounding culture. It's quite normal in time to adopt a practice of accommodation. That's quite normal. Human society advances oftentimes when we're accommodating, but I would use a hastily thought of example to draw a distinction. It's right and appropriate, for example, if a neighbor comes to your home in the middle of the night, you, your children, have gone to bed, a neighbor comes to you, bangs on your front door and says, listen, I'm sorry to disturb you, you know, it's one, two in the morning, I'm sorry to disturb you, but I have a, a, a situation in my house I'm wondering you can help me with. Maybe, maybe a pipe has burst or or maybe their dog has escaped and run out and they're panicked by that. Simple things. I'm thinking of simple analogies where they would come and disturb you and you would say, oh, okay, yeah, of course. Let me get my shoes and my coat. I'll, I'll be right there. Let me, let me parallel that or contrast that, if you will, with a scenario where your neighbor comes to your door and bangs on your door at that same time, one or two in the morning, and says, do you mind if I come in and play my trombone? I, I, I'm short of a little practice hours, and I'd like to do that now. No. You would say, go away. Go away. That's foolish. Do not do that. Now, I use innocent examples like that because there are things in our world that are not so innocent. They're not so innocent. But we as a society and we as a church at times become accommodating with the natural desire to be nice, with the natural desire to be welcoming, we accommodate things that can be profoundly bad and awful. And our writer today, Paul, our apostle, is reminding us of the dignity of our baptism and the fact that we hold ourselves to account first, hold ourselves to account first. He begins this letter to Titus by saying, as for yourself, Titus, as for yourself, you have to be this way. Then you have to convey that same teaching to those that you are mentoring. That's his point. It starts with us. But then we have to look around at our surrounding community and say, that behavior, that way of being is unhealthy and frankly unacceptable. 
And we, the church, have to live differently from that. Praise God, in a free country, you can live as you choose in many ways. But there are norms that we, the church, will not accept. That is unacceptable to advance that idea, that ideology, or that behavior. And we do well, as children of God, to hold forth an integrity to our faith and stand forth, and in a dignified way, not a condescending way, but in a dignified way, call out those ways of being, those practices, those beliefs, those ideologies, those societal in air quotes, advancements, those enlightened ideas that lead to tragedy in the end. Here in uh, Luke's gospel, we're in the 17th chapter, and our great gospel writer Luke tells us that. He asks a question, he says, Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at the table? Would he not rather say to him, prepare something for me to eat? So, Luke is acknowledging a reality that you, the landowner, you, the master of that vineyard, let's say, you worked that day, you come in in the evening, you have house servants to care for you. Wouldn't you realistically expect that as you come in for the evening meal that it be prepared and served to you? After all, that's why you have the, the household servants there. Again, acknowledging a reality of the first century. Now, what, what Luke is trying to tell us is so it should be with each of us. We, the servants of our Lord, we shouldn't commend ourselves for simply doing our duty. We should simply do our duty. We shouldn't find great pride in being a Christian, being a Catholic, and living in accordance with our faith, and pat ourselves on the back and say, boy, yay me, look how wonderful I am. Look at those poor people, look how wonderful I am. That's the wrong attitude. The attitude is one of gratitude, attitude of gratitude that we were called into the faith through God's grace and invitation, through his merits, not ours, but that having done our duty as a faithful Catholic, living in integrity to the faith, we simply say, the end of our life, I've done my duty, nothing more. I've done my duty. I'm no great hero. I've done my duty, nothing more. So as we go forward in today's beautiful word, segue now into the sacrifice of the altar, let's be reminded of the dignity of faith we all received in our baptism. We were chrismated as priest, prophet, and king, That's true for everyone received into the faith. And it's our duty to carry forth the truth and integrity of our faith, the teaching of our church, to live it out first and speak it out when necessary. To live it out first and to speak it out when necessary. Because that is living in dignity, and that is the duty of all of us as followers of Christ. God bless you all.